Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Level Play Sports Podcast, your source for everything related to athlete brand management. My name is Dave Kalen, and I will be your host for today's festivities. where today we focus on the world of tennis, and specifically, tennis in the glorious 1980s. Of course, anyone born into the world of New Wave, Back to the Future, Big Shoulder Pads, and original 8-bit video games knows the top of the men's tennis world at the time belonged to John McEnroe. McEnroe's career stats were pretty impressive, he has 77 career titles, including three Wimbledon titles, four U.S. Open titles, five Davis Cup titles, and even more doubles titles. But he was just as famous about his antics between the points as during them. Look, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shaw flew up. It was clearly it. How can you possibly call that out? How many are you gonna miss? Now, he's walking over, everyone knows it's in, in this whole stadium, and you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? That was McEnroe's famous rant at the 1981 Wimbledon tennis tournament, arguing a line call with the chair umpire and the beginning of a long tantrum that interrupted the entire match and got him fined $1,500. By the way, he ended up winning that match and went on to win the entire Wimbledon crown that year. But Wimbledon wasn't his only tantrum. Before the days of Hawkeye and instant replay, he argued his way throughout his entire career, constantly inches away from getting disqualified from many a tournament just for his attitude. But the reason we're talking about John McEnroe in this episode is not necessarily because of his antics and play back in the 80s, but how well he has carried himself and his brand into the present day. John has parlayed his bad boy attitude from the tennis court to the broadcast booth to endorsements and to Hollywood as well. In fact, if you're watching TV today, you'll notice John McEnroe not only in a very successful ad campaign for DirecTV, but also in a very successful teenage drama on Netflix. So what is the secret to John McEnroe's longevity? To help discuss this, let's welcome my new co-host on the Level Play Sports podcast, Ricky Denning. Hey, Ricky. Hiya, Dave. Thanks for the intro. I'm excited to be joining you as a co-host. I have a lot to learn from you about just who John McEnroe is and how he got his fame. So let's dive right into today's episode. Okay. Now, a little context here. Ricky and I are well over a generation apart. I remember seeing that Wimbledon rant live. And by the way, in his win over Bjorn Borg in the finals, that was a great match. But Ricky wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Actually, that's the inspiration for this episode. Ricky had seen John McEnroe on the Netflix show. It's called Never Have I Ever. And he's the narrator. It's, it's actually a very funny show. And then again, he saw her on the DirecTV ad campaign, and she was wondering, who was this guy, and how is he still relevant 40 years later? 
That's true. I did have no idea who John McEnroe was before watching the Netflix series. Typical Gen Z, if you'd say. But I loved him as a narrator, and that prompted me to dig a little deeper on his persona. I just heard from you that McEnroe first developed an image as quite the controversial tennis player on the court. Let's dive into how that affected his popularity as an athlete. Did this bad boy persona of his further his career? I mean, the catchphrase of his definitely did. And McEnroe himself testified to that in several of his interviews over the years. Yeah. Yeah, it was controversial at the time. Uh, I remember the press had labeled him super brat. And to his attitude, uh, the All England Club, which is the hosts of Wimbledon, they didn't give him a membership to the All England Club after winning Wimbledon because of his attitude, because of his outbursts. Eventually, they gave it to him when he won Wimbledon a second time, but still, (laughs) no one had really spoken out before him. No one had argued with chair umpires or no one had argued line calls. So it was such a shock at the time. Now, of course, you can complain all you want as long as you keep winning. But yes, it did establish a personality that went beyond the court. And he did establish that catchphrase, uh, you you cannot be serious. That catchphrase followed him throughout his entire career and even today into the, uh, the direct TV campaign. Yeah, I feel like his showcasing of his personality, both on and off the court, definitely garnered him some more attention and made him and his brand into a speaking point. He gained a lot of eyes on his personal brand through that headline-worthy behavior, and I'm sure he gained a lot of fans through his unorthodox way of approaching the sport. He went on to further his career off-court when he went into the booth as a BBC commentator for Wimbledon Games. Care to elaborate on that, Dave? Well, yeah, he, he went straight into the booth, but he was on BBC. Then he went to ESPN, and now he's big on every major tennis tournament. But, you know, he kept playing until 1994, so way past uh, that initial rant. And he kept playing doubles until 2006. But by then, his personality went from, you know, super brat to a, I guess what you would just call colorful personality and so he parlayed that colorful personality into other media or other uh, other shows he was in a couple of really bad movies i remember there was something it was just called wimbledon it was like a rom-com it was really bad and he had a a tv talk show for a while i think it only lasted maybe a month or so maybe less and he was even a game show host uh, I think wow, you have a clip, right? Why don't we, yeah, why don't we take a look at that real quick? Tonight, a new group of contenders are hungry, ready and waiting to take the ride of their life in the chair. I guess people didn't like the show because it was scripted. They like him off the cuff, the way he was on the tennis court. And so that's when he went more into the broadcast booth. It seems like his work as a commentator and in the world of sports media both elongated his career in sports and then really launched his work in media because he does have a pretty extensive IMBD for his work in media. Well, yeah, but it it also just was his personality that transcended more than just his play on the court or his knowledge in the booth. I mean, there certainly are better tennis players in history who've, who've, who've won 
more tournaments. I mean, look at Pete Sampras or even back in the day, Bjorn Borg, but you know, no one outside of the tennis world knows them today. Do you know who Pete Sampras is? No, you got me there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and, and by the way, I, I don't want to appear like I'm, like I'm mansplaining. No, anything. no way. I, no, you I just proved your point. But I, exactly. But I, I, I mean, you're a sports fan. So I, I want to say that I'm more of um, fansplaining than ah, mansplaining. Fansplaining. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, there are other people in other sports who, who transcend their sport. I mean, look at Shaquille O'Neal, you know, maybe Rob Gronkowski, or, uh, Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock. You know, all three of them just have nicknames, you know, Shaq, Gronk, The Rock. You know, <laughs> they even have single names for them. They're all known outside of their sport just because of their big, larger-than-life personalities. And John McEnroe, although he doesn't have a nickname like that, uh, he transcends his sport and is, and is just a big personality. Did you say The Rock? It's about drive. It's about power. We stay hungry. We devour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he has a whole brand image outside of just WWE. Yeah, nobody even knows his wrestling days anymore. They see him on... Uh, uh, was it Young Rock and um, the Jungle Cruise? Exactly. I mean, you can go way back. I mean, obviously, uh, the, one of the first is uh, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he parlayed a uh, bodybuilding career into becoming an action hero. Right. I mean, it's all about taking what makes you unique and just really working with that. And I think what John McEnroe did was put his personality and his persona on further display, you know, during his time as a host. And I think that's really why his name Star Power was boosted so much. And of course, you know, him branching out into all of the cameos and appearances on TV throughout the years. He was on SNL. He was on 30 Rock, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Tons of cameos and appearances all over television media, as well as many brand deals and endorsements. He did one for PETA, you know, even the recent DirecTV one that we keep coming back PETA? to. Really? PETA, yeah, really. The, oh, the I don't, I don't animals. remember that one. Yeah, okay. he, he was on an ad for PETA. Um, and that was all before he landed the big Netflix deal. And this really broadened his brand and allowed his image to be seen outside of the world of tennis. The recent Netflix narration showcased his brand and who he is as a persona to a wider age group too. And younger audiences like myself had the opportunity to learn who he is. Exactly. And he paired up with, uh, was it Mindy Kaling, who's the creator of this Netflix series, you know, Never Have I Ever. Let's go ahead and take a listen to a clip of John McEnroe's narration. Hey, it's your boy McEnroe again. This is Devi Vishwakuma. She's a 15 year old Indian American girl from Sherman Oaks, California. And it's her first day of sophomore year. And I am legendary tennis player, John McEnroe. It's very funny. You should listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. You should watch it. Through that, he actually became a partner with Squarespace and Netflix. And both brands are boosting his narration work. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yep. So that's just another recent endorsement that he has. And Squarespace was hosting his website for narration jobs. That's interesting. 
Uh, you know, he's still a big draw on the celebrity tennis tournament circuit. Yeah, they, they actually have these celebrity tennis tournaments, which have a lot of great old legends. I was going to say old legends. I hate to say that, but <laughs> they, have, they have a legends tournament where they have people like John McEnroe reliving these old tournaments, but now it's more of a comedy show. You know, they talk about it. And, and John McEnroe still does his bad boy image during these tournaments. I remember there was one where he was yelling at a baby in the crowd or something like that. Yelling at a baby. He's yelling at a baby in the crowd. I mean, it doesn't get more bad boy than that, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, 40 years later, now everybody's laughing at it instead of, you know, instead of booing at it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just him showcasing his persona. Absolutely. So... How can we learn from the value of having a persona, having a catchphrase, what John McEnroe has done with his image and how it affected the longevity of his career? What can a high school tennis player take from this, for example, to further showcase their talents and stand out and create a unique image for themselves in the scene? Well, first, you have to be good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, John McEnroe did win... 77 career titles so you know how do you build your brand well first win (laughs) i remember an old joke uh you know how do you make a million dollars without paying taxes well you know first make a million (laughs) dollars and then when they come to collect the taxes you say i forgot (laughs) that's an old steve martin joke and then win yeah so first win 77 career titles then you can cultivate your brand and your attitude no but first you do have to have some sort of talent then you do have to make it individual i mean we were talking earlier about pete sampras he had the talent but he didn't parlay that into a brand and maybe that's just his personality he was kind of a shy guy i mean also going back bjorn borg he had no personality that was his brand as the the quote ice man so you do have to cultivate it i mean whether it's a catchphrase or or your specific style of play on the court but you still have to, especially at the pro level, you actually have to kind of have a, a level, a, th- a minimum threshold of play, of competence. I think John McEnroe built his brand so well that it was able to carry him past his talent on the court to having a whole, you know, off-court career. And you know what? I really think that his catchphrase is the culmination of his brand itself. And like you said, to this day, that direct TV ad. So let's go ahead and take a look at that catchphrase and how he presents it today. Serena, Wonder Woman. Serena, Wonder Woman. Yeah, because I think it's funny. When I when I heard him say that, I I had a little bit of a chuckle because I remember it. Well, I think it's funny now in in hindsight looking back at that ad because I sure shit didn't get it when it was happened when I first saw that ad. That's for sure. <laughs> so it's funny on so many levels. Definitely. So what other tennis players can we look at who used a sort of a persona and built a successful brand image in order to further their careers? Because I do think John McEnroe is the pinnacle example, but I'm sure there are other tennis players out there who also have used their personalities, used their uniqueness to build out a career and a brand image. 
Well, I guess the first one that would come to my mind would be the Williams sisters, you know, Venus oh, and course. Serena. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've used their story of growing up in, in Compton and overcoming so many hurdles in their career. Yeah, to- not to mention the female empowerment aspect of it all, too. Exactly. They've created a whole brand for themselves, female empowerment, but their brand is also with just through endorsements and they've created their own clothing lines and a lot of other products. They've created a whole brand for themselves, for female empowerment and to promote themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it has definitely gotten them a lot farther and gotten them those brand deals and a a lot of lucrative opportunities. And of course, Naomi Osaka too. She has a documentary series on Netflix. And to our listeners, we have an episode, a, a couple episodes back where we discuss Naomi Osaka um, or, well, you know, I shouldn't say we, Dave and his <laughs> his co-host for that episode. Talk about Naomi Osaka and her bringing awareness to mental health. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, dis- we discussed that or I dis- discussed that a few episodes back and how she has really single-handedly brought mental health awareness to the forefront. Others have, obviously, and Michael Phelps did as well and uh, so many, but her struggle with mental illness really brought everything to the forefront. Definitely. And, you know, her documentary series on Netflix does dive into that a little bit more, but it also dives into all of the avenues that have opened up to her beyond tennis. She's had makeup brand collaborations. She's, you know, started her own brands in a lot of different ways, and she's built up a massive following on social media, you know, full of a lot of devoted fans from all over the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, she really showcased her personality with that. And she has even more endorsement deals outside the U.S. than in. I mean, she's huge in Japan. Her Definitely. Adopted native country. Exactly. And her entire story of playing tennis since she was three years old and everything that she has used to set herself apart and be unique in the tennis world has really gotten her a very long way. Absolutely. Who you know, else? Thinking, Let's throw, throw me some names. Let's see. Do you know who Stan Smith is? Oh, I know the shoes. You know the (laughs) the shoes. shoes. Oh, everybody's got the shoes. Everybody's got the shoes, but Stan Smith was a tennis player in the 60s and 70s. And No uh, kidding. He was a good tennis player. I think he won some major tournaments, but he was more famous for his shoes. He actually created the shoes, presented them to Adidas, and it was a new kind of shoe back in the day giving a little extra added support. Now, of course, it's obsolete by today's performance, sports performance shoes standards, but it's still popular from a, from a fashion and stylistic aesthetic, and it's popular 50 years later. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, his brand has clearly grown far past his own career in tennis. Yeah, he was one of the, the presenters of the trophies at this year's Australian Open, and he walked out there in his sport jacket and nice and, and blazer and stuff, and Stan Smith tennis shoes. Nike. Not Nike. How dare Adidas. you? Adidas. <laughs> okay, well, you're right, Adidas. I'm oh, my goodness. That. I'm cutting that out. No, don't <laughs> cut that out because that's funny. <laughs> oh my god, it's 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 the Japanese plum wine talking. I You know what? I never claim to know anything about sports, but I definitely never claim to know anything about fashion or shoes. <laughs> you know what? I was just thinking about it because I earlier I was talking about well, you know, first be good at tennis, first win 77 titles, but you know what? I remember just this 
player, do you know who Anna Kornikova was? She yes, she's w- married to Enrique Iglesias. That's how I know she, her. Oh my god! Oh, that's they have a couple kids and everything. Crazy. <laughs> she had a great brand back when she was playing tennis, but not necessarily for playing tennis because she didn't win any career titles. I think she won maybe a doubles title or two, but as a singles player, she didn't win anything, but she was famous. She had endorsement deals and all the other players complained about her, not because of her tennis play, but because she was just, well, how do I play it? She was just hot. (laughs) She was just a hot player. She had long hair that she wore in a braid and she had an endorsement deal for a sports bra company. So she appealed to the male viewer gaze. Absolutely. And that was her brand. So, not so it much seems like she's the exception point. to your must have talent rule, huh? I mean, exactly. And that's why kind of why I brought it up. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a lesson for upcoming players who want to develop their brand, but I felt uh, an obligation to at least note that. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I know we've had uh, an episode on NIL, name image likeness, and I know we're going to have a, an update to name image likeness for college athletes coming soon. But, you know, maybe college athletes uh, will look back on Anna Kornikova and say, hmm, maybe I could do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure every single athlete we've mentioned here today has a documentary. So that could be another possible future podcast topic to dive into and just the impact of documentaries because from ESPN to Netflix, there's a ton of documentaries from every single sport, every major athlete. Absolutely. And every every athlete has a story because all we do is we just see them on the court or on the field. And there's so much that goes into them, especially the successful ones because there's, well, how did they become so successful? Right. Every athlete has a story. You know what? That's that's a great point. If every athlete has a story, then find a way to harness yours and showcase it to the world because everyone has a unique story. So use yours to be unique and to stand out in the world of your sport, whatever that sport may be. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And thank you, Dave, for educating me on the world of John McEnroe and tennis. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I hope that people of my generation will remember John McEnroe for who he was and who he's become. And people from your generation will think of who he is now and kind of do a little research on how he got there. Definitely. And that will bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Level Play Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of John McEnroe and learned something along the way. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe and you'll be notified of future episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, then feel free to leave us something in the comments below or send us a message directly. I'm at Dave at LevelPlaySports.com and Ricky is at Rickiana at LevelPlaySports.com. Of course, don't be a troll. But if you do have anything that you'd like to discuss, anything we've been talking about here or have any ideas for any future episodes, then we'd love to hear from you. And of course, we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, join our Facebook, LinkedIn. Gotta have the clout plug right in there real quick. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, that's it for now. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Level Play Sports Podcast, 
where we will discuss athlete brand management in more detail. For the Level Play Sports Podcast, I'm Dave Kalin. And I'm Ricky Denning. Have a good one. Bye.